eight people? Five, six, seven, eight. Yes. Oh. Nice. This is the most we've five, ever had. High five. Yes. <laughs> Whichever way it is. <laughs> slap somebody's head down here or something, or up here. <laughs> nice. All right. How you guys? I I asked you guys how you're doing. I'm excited, as you guys can tell. I can't contain myself here. This is super exciting. <laughs> so I'm glad you all are here. So bear with me because there's a lot of people here, um, and I want to make sure I get to each and every one of you guys here. So, as you guys know, I'm the host of this dinner that we're having here. We've got. Uh, I'm going to just say it's a large party dinner, right? Because there's eight of us here. We're having a party, having a good time. I don't know if we'll have enough time to get to every dish and every appetizer and everything, but we will try to get to everything that we can. And, and I try to do it within an hour, within an hour, but I think the last couple of shows have been uh, an hour and a half or 90 minutes, <laughs> but I haven't heard any complaints yet. So, <laughs> um, but with that, let me go through who, who's all invited here. So. First, I got on my invitation list, I've got Nathan, or correct me if I'm wrong, Quag311, yeah. is that right? All right. 311, the band, yeah. Nice. Father of three, soon to be fourth, congratulations. Teacher also, awesome, awesome, good job, man. <laughs> Last game finished, Link's Awakening on the Switch, and playing Ori 2 and Kingdom Hearts 3 on the Xbox. Yeah, good so, stuff. And I know, I know there's a couple people that are like Kingdom's Heart. So, uh, True's not here, but he didn't know he was one of those fans yeah. too. So, yeah. all right, cool. Uh, Michael is also on here, the Mancher PGP. Yep. Nice to have you, Mancher. Or Michael. <laughs> and his claim to fame is retired local known Transformers YouTuber, which is awesome. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm very well, I'm relatively known in my immediate area at the convention I like to go to. And I used to do reviews. You could, you could look me up on YouTube. It's, they're not great videos, but you could, you can look me up. Did you have fun with it? Did you yeah, have fun I had fun. It? I had That's fun all that matters. Who cares if they, if anybody That's all that matters. talked crap about yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> just uh, life got, life really got in the way. Right. And that's usually what happens. And mm -hmm. that's why we're here to have a little fun. So you know, <laughs> yeah. while we can, right? All right, Nathan, I'm sorry I cut you off. Did you have anything you want to add to what I had said about you? Just that I'm playing Ori a whole lot more than Kingdom Hearts, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> yes. We'll get more into that later. All right, cool. All right, Chris. Chris HL94, right? Yep. There we go. All right, and I, I'm guessing HL94 is because you're an NHL94 fan. Oh, I'm <laughs> Yeah. All right. And you, uh, your claim to fame is, fame is Beat Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link on three consoles. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I could, I, it's my, I think Marty called it uh, a comfort food game. When yes. I'm bored, that's where I go. All right. That's awesome. Uh, since then, Not very many uh, people will pick that one. <laughs> no, I think it's an unpopular opinion, I'm for sure. Uh, since then, old, uh, Animal Crossing has arrived in this house, so. A lot of animals, maybe too much, but yeah. <laughs> All right. And just to let you know, Chris, I don't know if it's something on your settings, but you sound a little muted. I don't know if uh, your mic's in a good spot or whatever. Okay, but I'll try it, it. You're a little bit muffled there. All right. But I can hear you clearly still, just letting you know. Um, okay. 
All right, RJ, R. Kern, or Music RJ. Yes. You're, uh, we see a lot of you on Twitter. Yes. So brought... tends to be my spot. I've got to get better at getting into uh, Discord, but. <laughs> it's all right. We got a lot of people here that it can help you with that, too. So. Oh, good. Uh, and by the way, everybody, he brought us our appetizer for today, and we'll get that into that in just a minute. Um, his claim to fame is 15 minutes of fame, thanks to Nintendo when he was 12. And why is that? Because during the Nintendo World Championships in 1990, that's why he was made the, on the he made it to the TV news there, and also had a genuine Nintendo World Champion cartridge in his possession at the time. At the time, so I want to yes. hear about that one. Yeah. So we uh, it was. Without getting into the whole story, basically it was um, I was the kid at my video store who rented the most games. Um, another member of the video store was a, a newspaper journalist who was doing a story on the World Championships. So that's kind of how it all started. But eventually it just kind of snowballed from there into um, the local, um, oh, I guess the local ticketing, whatever you want to call it, the local uh, marketing firm that was responsible for the championships had seen that newspaper article and then, you know, said, oh, do you want to, you know, kind of represent this, the tri-state area, which at that time, Delaware, Pennsylvania, uh, New Jersey. So they, part of that was, you know, signing a thousand NDAs and, you know, my problem, my parents basically signing their house away if anything happened to the cartridge, but basically oh. they gave me, they gave me that cartridge. It had the, you know, had the, the, uh, dipstick settings at the top where you normally put the cartridge in. Um, and I probably had that for about a three week period. You know, I was 12 and I was just like, oh, here's this cool little cartridge. You know, I played it and, you know, didn't think anything of it, gave it back. Of course, looking back now, <laughs> that was a, a small fortune I was sitting on. But no, it was it was definitely a fun experience. I bet. That's and a cool story, too, especially in this community, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was uh, different for sure. So, right. I didn't do, by the way, I will say I didn't do that good at the uh, championships. Um uh, it was fun. I had I had a good high score for the first round, but the second round, um, back then my Tetris wasn't quite what it is today. So, but it was still fun. So. <laughs> that's cool. Well, you got the story to tell. Yeah. So that's 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 awesome there too. So all right, Vincent Super Nintendo, love the name that's by me. the way. Wow, his that's claim, me. his claim to fame is that I'm a former. Not me, of course. I'm talking about Vincent here. He's a former Army journalist looking to start writing about Nintendo like he wanted to all his life. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. We got absolutely. a blog opened up if you want to submit some blog entries. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Chris will tell you about yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I'm looking to try to, you know, put together stuff and, you know, send it out to wherever... Uh, Wherever I can, you know, I'm, I guess uh, I guess you could say I'm sort of classically trained in, you know, the AP style, you know, of, of course, blog writing is not the animal that, uh, that, you know, journalism writing is. So, you know, I've had to sort of, you know, unlearn what I have learned, you know, to, uh, to get into that. But, uh, I, you know, I've already got some stuff going and uh, I'm... Uh, looking forward to what's next on this new adventure of mine very cool yeah if you want to share any of that stuff we have a, a you know community co creators section of our discord feel free to share some of that stuff there if you'd like people absolutely like to go there and read it so mm -hmm. cool uh and then we have two the last two guests here have been uh recurring 
dinner guests. Uh, I don't know if they might be competing for uh, who's been on here the most, but we've got Antonio, who's claimed to fame is, of course, being a Patreon producer of the show and uh, a big contributor to our community creator section for reviewing games. Antonio, what's going on? What's going on, man? It's good to be back. <laughs> That's good. Any uh, new games you can talk about yet, or are you going to talk about that? Yeah, later? no, absolutely. No, we um, the the one that I'm playing right now, and you'll probably see a review of this uh, pretty soon, is called uh, Children of Zodriacs. It's kind of like um, uh, in the same vein of uh, Mario Rabbids, uh, kind of XCOM uh, sort of uh, okay. game style tactical game uh yeah we could talk about that a little bit later but it's yeah super fun excellent and sam third strongest mole one of the coolest names we have in our community of course especially for a nintendo fan <laughs> what's going on sam you didn't give me a, a new claim to fame here other than beating the crap out of everybody in games in our community and monthly <laughs> well i i do have a new one as of a couple of hours ago i can say that i am officially an arms master because I, I have been playing arms and I ranked up to rank 16, which is Arms Master 1. So there you go. Nice. nice. If I had a, a clapping button here like Jesse, I would do that for you. But I don't I don't have that kind of stuff like Jesse does. So. <laughs> Soundboard. <laughs> All right, guys. So as if you've been listening to – oh, I like the clapping icon. That works perfectly. Yeah. Man, sure got that up. Good. Thanks, Michael. All right. Uh, so – as you guys have heard on the dinner table before, we go through the different um, courses of the meal, if you will. Um, and sometimes you guys bring me some side dishes or some other dishes, and we go through that, and then I kind of figure out where it best fits in, into the show. And this is really just a, a kind of like the old thing that we used to do, where it was get together and hangouts and just chit chat, but a little bit more structured, so we have something to talk about. Kind of like what you guys did uh, at the beginning before I got on, where you guys were talking about uh, my new logo. <laughs> so uh, I did hear a little bit before I got jumped on. So, um, but that was that's kind of like where it was, but to give it structure so we have something to talk about and also share it with the other community community members so that they, uh, if they couldn't join, they can still hear what we talked about and maybe one day join. Right. So. All right, let's jump in. And Oh, actually, before I jump into the appetizer, I'll just say this real quick. The reason why I picked Captain Toad for my uh, avatar was, yes, it was a hard choice because I was thinking Samus because Metroid, obviously, is one of my favorite games. But I went with Captain Toad because of what he represents to, to Mario, how he's always helping Mario in a lot of the games. So I thought it would be cool if I picked Captain Toad since I like to help the Nintendo dads out with a lot of stuff that they do. So that's why I picked Captain Toad. Oh, makes sense. <laughs> Cute. So, all right. With that out of the way, appetizer. And courtesy of RJ here, who sent us the question via Twitter and then eventually decided to join us for dinner. His question was, what's your favorite Mode 7 moment on the Super Nintendo? RJ, why don't you start us off since it was your question? Oh, that's a, yeah, and I'll just give you a little preface of why that is. I've all, I don't know if you guys are, you know, into the technology part as much, you know, with all the different consoles. I've always just growing up, and I've always just loved learning about just the hardware part of it, you know, and learning about the features they offer, you know, everything from you know, with, you go back to the N64, and and just learning about how how it originated from the uh, you know the original workstations um that were around at the time and then evolved into the n64 but just with that you know to me 
with the uh, Super Nintendo, the Mode 7, the scaling and rotating. My, my favorite moment was probably when I first opened it on Christmas. And, you know, first game I put in was Pilot Wings. And, you know, the parachuting was the, uh, you know, to me that was just like this this is happening this is actually a a thing that i can see at home and not just in my arcade um you know and go and spend twenty dollars in quarters um so that was to me that mind-blowing moment and then you know you would see other games come out over the years and yeah and you would just see new ways uh, another example was um their hole-in-one golf made by hal if you guys remember that the android screen basically had the golf the golf ball like going you know into the hole in one and it zoomed in and you know they actually were able to kind of you know animate blades of grass as well which you know again at that time was just insane to me so i've always just loved that hardware part of it and i'd love to hear what other people thought as well yeah researching yeah, that was really really cool too just to see uh, i knew of a few games but when researching it learning about all the other games that had it and included mm. it, it was really cool so I, sorry I to cut you off what Vince. i found most I think that's what I found most interesting as well was doing the research. And I'm looking at the list right now. There's a lot more games than I actually thought. Sorry, Vince. Go ahead. Oh, no. I mean, I was just going to remark about uh, how you know, RJ is having an interest in the whole hardware aspect of it. Well, growing up, um, I, my uh, my father would often compete for my, uh, my and my brother's affections because my parents were divorced. And, you know, one of the best ways that he knew that he could do my mother and, you know, you know, winning over his kids' affections was buying the video games that, you know, they had interests in. And as such, you know, I had a, I had quite a few, you know, different kinds of peripherals. Like, um, I had the NES Power Glove. I had the uh, NES Satellite. Um, that's, you know, cool IR, like, way ahead of its time back then. Um, I had the Superscope 6. That was a, uh, it was a, it was a neat bazooka type, you know, oh, yeah. type thing. Yeah, and, I remember that. Yeah. You know, what, uh, what high schooler didn't enjoy, you know, toting that thing around, you know, playing, uh, shooting stuff up on the, you know, with that. But, you know, they've always, Nintendo has always managed to come up with some of the most interesting concepts for hardware like um like mario paint okay snes was probably what i would consider like one of the unsung heroes of the super nintendo i mean i don't think it really got its due i mean it was probably way further ahead of its time you know it had some of that some of that you know like pre we motion you know, idea built built into the hardware. And, um, you know, I I do the homebrew, so I've been collecting titles that I used to have back in the day. And I use Mario Paint with the, uh, the Wii mode, and, you know, it actually translates pretty well from the uh, SNES mouse over to the Wii mode. So I was able to show my kids how, uh, we drew uh, drew things in 16-bit back then. And That's really cool. Yeah. That was very cool. Did you have a Mode 7 game that you liked on the Super Nintendo? Or a game that had that Mode 7 feature? Um, I'll be honest. Um, I'm not exactly sure how many of those titles uh, 
that entails. Um, Pilot Wings is one that I definitely had on my list. I did not have that game growing up, but I did. I did get into it once the uh, Switch Online service went on. Um, that's a lot of fun. I, you know, it's a good, uh, good title that I go back to now when I I play cool. from time to time. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, my fa- uh, my favorite mode seven is uh, that impresses me the most is probably the most common, and that's the Super Castlevania. Uh, tunnel scene mm-hmm. where you see it just that just yeah, that blew my mind when I remember seeing that yeah yeah so um I didn't get to play the game at that time but I remember seeing the advertisements for it and just how it blew my mind and it was at the time it was like I had to buy my own game so I didn't get to buy a lot of games mm-hmm. uh and I didn't get yeah. to experience it like like a lot of other people did but that was one that stuck out to me I did have Super Mario Kart so um yeah, that that had the mode seven and stuff like that. So that was that was really cool. The too. other another one was uh, the shooter Axley. If you remember, if you've uh, if you haven't played that one, that's definitely worth uh, playing. But also another one that really showed off just you know kind of what the SNES did, right. or what it could do, you know, with the right programming. Yeah, that's a lot. A lot of uh, what I saw in that research is a lot of those games. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a pretty significant list. I mean, you got F Zero, Super Metroid, Super Mario Kart, Super Mario RPG. That's a, I mean, that's a great one. Um, those are those yeah. are probably some of my favorites that I'm seeing on this list. Yeah, it says the minecart uh, section when you break out of Moleville. There's that one little mini game where you're uh, going through the tracks, and and uh, that that was in mode seven. We kind of have some uh, 3D. Uh, section in the middle of the uh, in the middle of games. That's that was fun. If I could have one sequel, it would be Super Mario RPG. I wish they would stop making Bravely Default shoot seventeen and just do Super Mario RPG uh, two. You know, my daughter and I actually just watched a gaming historian YouTube video on Super Mario RPG. Um, that's that's something that she's. She's really into. She's uh, she's twelve and she's like an an aspiring artist, and she's just in love with the classic, like sixteen sixty four bit aesthetic of you know oh. games like mm-hmm. Mario That's RPG cool. and um, you know Mario sixty four. How did she take to uh, Octopath Traveler? I'm sorry. Did she play Octopath Traveler? What did she, how what was her opinion of that? No, she's not. She's not quite old enough for that yet. Um, right, yeah. Didn't get to, didn't get to play that yet. Um, she's actually really excited about um, Trials of Mana, because okay, yeah, her favorite Super Nintendo title is Secret of Mana. So um, even though that one's a T-rated game, I'm thinking maybe as like a like a 13th birthday present. She's gonna be 13 here in a few months. I mean, think. That's uh, that's gonna have to be uh, on our list. Yeah, and both Secret of Mana and Trials of Mana are on that list of Mode Seven yeah. games as well. Mm-hmm. How about you guys, Michael, Chris, uh, Sam, Nate? Uh, I didn't have nearly as much experience with the Super Nintendo as you guys clearly have. Um, I had a Super Nintendo at my grandmother's house that I played the odd. Like I think I played Mario Three. Uh, I think there, was that Mario 3 on the Super Nintendo? 
What if it was on the All Star? Uh, All Star, yeah. All Star. Yeah, I might have had the All Star mix. Um, it, it, I'm having trouble remembering even what I had at my grandmother's place. She got rid of it. Oh, good man. Um, well, a lot so of people yeah, experience it, it too later, right? So, like, yeah. even on the classic or on That's you know true. online SNES online games. Yeah, so. yeah. I I did get into. I think I started a link to the link to the past. Is that the one on the online? Uh, Zelda, uh, Legend of Zelda. It's on the SNES. The it's on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. online for Switch. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started a file on that, and that's since I had my Super Nintendo at my grandmother's. That's the first Super NES game I've played in a long time. So, I, I'm, I'm unfortunately very useless in this topic. <laughs> it's all good, man. <laughs> this is my favorite if, of all the consoles. It's the one that's uh, withstood the test of time. So I'm glad. I'm glad that they made a, a classic version of that console. Yeah, same yeah, here. That was my favorite. The Super Nintendo was big for me. It kind of like made me interested in old games because I remember probably the last couple like real summers I had before I had, you know, summer jobs and had to work during the summer. So when I was like 14 and couldn't really get a job anywhere, couldn't drive myself there, I spent a lot of time in my basement playing Super Nintendo games because I realized now I could beat them and they were way too hard when I was young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is interesting. I had to fill in some of those gaps on the Super Nintendo library later in my life. And of the Mode 7 games, I only had like a few of them. But uh, the first one that leapt out to me that I remember pretty clearly was Super Star Wars. It's like oh, the yeah. second level, the landscape. Oh, man, yeah. Because I remember just taking forever on that level when I was young because I didn't understand, oh, you have to like actually go to the city in the distance. Because you could just scroll forever otherwise if you didn't pay attention to where you were going. You'd just go past Womp Rat after Womp Rat and be like, uh, when does this level end? Very cool. That is a good game, too. One I didn't get to play as much as I wanted to. Uh, Chris, did you have anything? I got to say, I, um, I really had to do some research on Mode 7. It wasn't something I was really familiar with growing up. Okay. Uh, it was also, uh, that's when I kind of uh, strayed away from the Nintendo family a little while. Uh, our family, we got sucked in by the Sega Genesis marketing. So I've only come back. Those NHL games. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's, there's a lot of debate in uh, the NHL 94 community, which is better. And you'll get people on both sides that Sega is better than, uh, than SNES. I'm leaning toward SNES now. But... Like, uh, if I look at the list that really, Marion Kart was the only one I was really into, and I wasn't aware of the, the graphic feature that, so it was kind of a learning experience to go back and, and really realize that, oh yeah, this was something that, this, uh, this wasn't in every game. Very cool, yeah. Well, uh, one way or another, I think we all had experienced it, whether we knew it or not, too. So it uh, depends on when you got to, you know, when you got the Super Nintendo and read about it, either in Nintendo Power or saw the commercials for it or however it was introduced to you or you just accidentally stumbled upon it. Um, that was certainly a great question, RJ. Thanks for bringing that oh, to, yeah. to the table. Um, 
But let's jump right into uh, the main dish of tonight. Uh, if you guys, I hope, I hope you guys heard a couple weeks ago, I had brought it up. Uh, but for those who might know what it is, we'll start with us first uh, to answer the question. That way we'll give you guys a chance to think about what the what your answer is. Or, of course, this because I'll be collaborative too. But the reason why I wanted to bring this question up, which is um, basically what's the perfect gaming store essentially is what it uh, what the question is what would the perfect gaming store be for us as fans gaming fans and stuff like that the reason why i bring it up of course is all the news that we had with gamestop especially with the covid 19 stuff how they handled that and even before that how business is not very good for gamestop lately and how they've been treating their employees uh or at least how we hear about it and i don't know if any of you work there uh, before, but we hear a lot of it from a lot of people, or at least some of the shows I listened to, they did work for uh, GameStop and they had a lot of opinions about it. So, uh, didn't sound like a very good company to work for. So, and then we hear about all this other stuff. So, I was kind of curious if it makes sense to make the perfect gaming gaming store. How would we create that? And does it even make sense to even have a gaming store? So, um, who wants to go first? I'll go first. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have a background in teaching. And the last couple of years, uh, uh, students have approached me and they said, we really want you to be a, a club advisor for Smash. We just need a place to play Smash Brothers. And uh, if, if we can... All these kids just need a place to congregate so they can uh, play this game together and share it. And so if, if, they, if there's a store that allows them to uh, create a sense of community and a, and a need to compete, uh, which, which, which is what they have, I think that's, uh, that would be a great way to get, to, uh, get the right numbers into their store. Uh, Cart is really, is, is popular among, uh, among them. Uh, Fortnite's still popular, but yeah, Smash. They, there's such a there's such a, a hunger for Smash, even though it's uh, it's it's well into its second year DLC. So it's so it's more than just being able to play online. It's it is still that they want everybody to get in a yeah. room and play, yeah. right? So just yeah. like I'm sure a lot of us did, it was you know you still be it's, it's easier, you know so. Mm -hmm. Land competition will always be a part of, of gaming, in my opinion. And, I, and that's one of the things I, I think Nathan, I completely agree with. I actually think some of the things that GameStop was thinking about exploring this year before all of this happened was... Yeah, before the virus. Yeah. yeah, like they had like some ideas around building more um, uh, cultural hubs, which like if you think mm -hmm. about now is like ridiculous. Can't do it um, at all. <laughs> right, so like it's sort of, uh, you know, how are you supposed to plan for that to begin with? steer your business in that direction but i do think that's sort of how i feel about it it's like not necessarily a place to buy games we have plenty of places to buy games now as a place to commiserate over games uh like perhaps buying um things that are related to, to video gaming whether it's like you know toys figurines for me it's like the music i love I, I collect a lot of video game soundtracks like on vinyl so like having a place to to actually you know rifle through those like i was at a regular you know music store would be really cool instead of having to order them online. I think that would, that, for me, that'd be a lot of fun, but that seems like a pretty niche store. 
or a restaurant that plays video game music like that that's like the theme like that theme is uh you can uh listen to certain uh uh, video game theme tracks and orders uh, certain things. I, it would probably work in Vegas. Sure. I don't know. There's. <laughs> well, I've been to a parkade. That's pretty cool too. Yeah. 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 yeah there's a few there places. Is a... There's places in uh, Toronto. I don't know about, about wherever you guys are, but there's like board game cafes. Yeah. Um, one of the bigger ones. There's a few chain places called Snakes and Lattes, uh, in That's Toronto. Cool. And I, I haven't actually been in it, but I know that it, that they exist. And uh, it's generally like, you know, you, you pull, you can pull a board game off, get some adult beverages and some co- uh, some coffee, whatever, and uh, you, you pay for the drinks, obviously. But I think you just go in and just play super board cool. games. That's uh, super that, cool. Okay. I guess I'm thinking on the same lines uh, because uh, that's what what you guys were describing. I'm like, yeah, there's there's board game shops that are like that. There aren't a lot of you know game stores per se. Now there is a place um, here in Columbus, well in Hilliard, east of Columbus, uh, or west of Columbus, sorry, um, called Game Arena. That uh, now they have like a bunch of PCs, and you basically you go in and you you basically rent time on PCs, and I and they also host events. The the main I haven't been there except for Smash Bros tournaments. They also host Smash Bros tournaments. They've got connections with some of the people that organize that, um, but they don't actually sell games. But they are, you know, right. sort of that in a way. Well, that's yeah, like big, like place. those. No, Chris, go ahead. Sorry, was, uh, there's a place here. It's a, it's a, it's a single store. It's called Press Play Games, and uh, I know, I know the owner from uh, speaking with him on Facebook, and he started off as a gaming, uh, like a lounge. So he has all kinds of consoles, new and old. He does nice. game launches. So when a new game comes out, he'll have a night of, this is the new uh, Smash or something. And, he'll, and so you can go, you pay $5 for the day. You have internet access. You can play with everyone in the, in the lounge. He's adding a restaurant. He's adding adult beverages. And then he was kind of using the other, the other well, I guess before the, the whole COVID-19 thing hit. Maybe I should sell the games too. And I thought, well, yeah, if you're introducing the games, you're doing these launches. The retail is almost like a second thought. It's the community and coming together and playing the game. And then, you know, to get hooked, hey, you can also buy a copy and take it home with you. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing. And that's the big difference too with like a GameStop. A GameStop is. You know, it is ultimately just a retail store. I, and I think the biggest thing for me is the, that's attractive is having people who are passionate about what they're doing, you know, for that, whether it be in creating that sense of community. There's actually a store in uh, Seattle, Washington called Pinkerella, which I had to look up here, which their whole business is just, you know, solely retro games. They sell hard to find games, one of a kinds, that type of thing. But it's all about a sense of community because everybody who is there is passionate about what they do. And to me, that's regardless of store and how you're going to have it that's the first step is having people who are passionate about what they're doing um to create an experience because that's what you're going to be drawn to yeah pink gorilla is really cool i followed them when they used to do their own podcast too between cody and uh oh nice uh what's her name i forget her name at the moment but um 
um, the co-owners of, of Pink Gorilla, but um, she's now part of the um, video game history um, okay. community as well. And she she used to do really great videos on that as well. Um, I can't think of her name at the moment because I'm on the spot. <laughs> so I, I think it's I, a big, like, important part of the, uh, like, keeping gaming stores around is for, like, preservation, you know, and, yeah. and keeping uh, the retro uh, games still available for purchase for, you know, for collective collectors and just for you know keeping it alive we'll you know we'll be able to tell um younger kids about you know the the carts that we used to blow into you know at, at some point and that's yeah yeah that's i think cool. that the we if we're creating this hypothetical perfect game store we would need to do something like I, I think we're all kind of hitting the same nail on the head um something similar to like the 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 snakes and lattes the your local game your card game stores that have magic tournaments every few weeks you, you, but they can also buy their cards there so you need so you need to have a wall or, or seven of you know retro games new games but then you know every other thursday there's a smash tournament i think that if a, if a GameStop or an eb games in canada um had that space for for to set up tables or have a few tvs in the back or something like that for tournaments i think their their sales would go up their community you'd keep a community in the in the in the area and uh, i think overall that this kind of store would flourish a lot more well, no, now, obviously with obviously with the virus you can't necessarily have those tournaments <laughs> at those stores and all of this questioning is kind of tainted by well you can't do it anymore right <laughs> but but like again hypothetical perfect situation i think we're all again we're all hitting the same nail on the head we need that kind of community-based store to play our video games like you would a magic tournament yep and i'm sure those even those type of stores are going to get right back into it once we get these bands lifted right so if if yeah. you already got that community there they're all probably hungry to get back to you know getting back to those games and hanging out with each other so I totally see it. And I have a lot of those here in Michigan, uh, a lot of those card game based stores and they do board games as well. Um, but it's just solely just for that. They don't, they're not cafes um, per se, but I do have to say, cause I live in Michigan in Detroit and I'm near Windsor. I can go over there in Canada and there is a, uh, a board game cafe over there in Windsor store. It's like a, I forget the name of it. It's like a dragon name or something like that. And is I didn't get to go into it, but boy, did I want to, because <laughs> it looked like it was really awesome. And it had, you know, the, there was a restaurant, all beverages, coffee, whatever, go in, play a game while you're, you know, getting whatever to eat, a uh, light snack or a drink. It, it, it looked like pretty cool. And I was just wondering why we didn't have anything similar here in, in the States, at least here in Michigan. So that's some great ideas. And in case you guys haven't noticed, I've been writing them down because I mean, I don't know if you can see it, but yeah, Reggie, know. first board reading, Reggie needs to know. <laughs> yes. So uh, I just, I like writing those things down. It just helps my memory and all that kind of stuff. But also too, because if, you know, if I win the lottery, I, I want to get you guys in on this and uh, help. You said you were started, brushing so. up on your, uh, on your resume. So yes. I see you're just gathering these ideas. That's, that's what this was all about. Yeah. That's all it was about. Right. If you get it in there, I'll invest with you. I'll so be the in true there purpose you. of the dinner table right. is. <laughs> Yes. Do you think, here's a question, do you think there's a 
with, you know, obviously there's so many small businesses being impacted with the whole COVID-19, do you think that we're going to see a lot of these shutter up and not come back once we're in a place where we can gather again in groups? And Or do you think you're going to see a lot of these places, you know, try and mature into more of a, an online presence and try and capture that community? Similar to this, you know, maybe, maybe they do a Smash tournament, but they do it with the Zoom session, um, that kind of thing. I think they're going to definitely have some people who are going to be a little skittish, but at the same time, I think even looking at ourselves here, I think plenty of us here have been sitting here thinking about the things that maybe we've complained about before, thinking, man, I won't complain about that now, <laughs> you know, where I can go out and hang out with some of these people or whatever. Yeah, we're still going to have issues or whatever, but I think some of those communities might become stronger. And, and also, if you go back to the stores, if they do shutter, it, it probably will depend on how well that business owner prepared for those type yeah. of things. So that's just my opinion, though. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. How about the rest of you guys? Oh, uh, I think, uh, I think really it's gonna, you know, it's gonna come down to what people are willing to do once, I think, once the whole uh, COVID-19 situation blows over. Um, you know, a, a lot of people aren't, uh, uh, what, they don't, you know, have as much, um, I had this, I, had, I, had, I, had <laughs> I this hate that when it happens, man. I hate it. Yeah. No, I, um, I think I get where you're going though. That's okay. I, I remember now. Um, some people don't have as much disposable income to maybe go to a place like, you know, an internet cafe or something to, you know, have a whole like you know maybe you know like some of us we got like young kids at home if you know we want to go out and you know have have a, a date night at one of these places we might have to get a sitter for the little ones um i'm kind of seeing uh seeing that maybe we could you know sort of carry this on with more of like uh more like meetup trend um, in my area, uh, the local library has uh, Dungeons and Dragons events mm -hmm. that um, that my my oldest son and my daughter uh, really are interested in getting into, you know. And, That's a great uh, point. Yeah, yeah, and as as long I I figure as long as you know there are people like us like trying to trying to get that out there you know introducing you know our kids that the next generation to the things that we grew with um you know they'll latch on to it i think they'll uh they'll take a real interest like uh like my daughter has told me um if she didn't already have a switch the game console that she would most like to own is a nintendo 64. i oh, mean wow. Okay. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. She I is. <laughs> yeah. She, I mean, this thing. You know, what kind of what kind of a kid asks for a console that dates her by ten years? I mean, 
I, someone who's going to be in the it. industry when she gets old enough. <laughs> probably. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a kid <laughs> asking, like, how was dial-up? I what mean, I wrote up? my... One in television. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I wrote I this in my last my... blog post. Uh, I put I put that post on the Nintendo Dad site about, you know, my kids wouldn't have ever been exposed to the SNES or the NES if there wasn't the Switch Online. And, uh, you know, I really wanted them to like it because it was something that meant a lot to me growing up. But, you know, I just sort of left them in the room, went to do something around the house, and all of a sudden they get back and they were hooked. And uh, it was really awesome because I didn't have to, like, sell them or, or like, really uh, force it down their throats. It's sort of something they, they experience organically, which is really the genius of it. You put it on a Switch, a console, and something like, well, this is cool because it's on the console that I play, but then it's something that you know, I would otherwise have had. Yes. Yeah, that's really cool. And one of the one of the concerns I think too that was brought up going back to the whole gaming store, what would we be perfect about it if we created our own, was, uh, I think it was Antonio that you mentioned it, was GameStop was looking at doing some of this stuff that we were talking about, doing the community thing. And right. I think we all kind of know that. But the concern that I read about was a concern that employees already have, where if you're at the mall, the kids go there, the parents just leave them there so that the parents can go do their own thing in the mall while the kids just hanging out at GameStop playing on the, the, the display models, you know? So that's uh, one of the concerns I read that how would we help with that where we don't, I know there's gotta be a way that's being done with that rules being set, I guess, or expectations being set like at the magic stores or Pokemon stores, you know? That's a great point. Uh, I used to work at the Lego store, a uh, relatively local Lego store. And, uh, that is a specific rule. Parents are not allowed to leave their kids in the Lego store because people would do that. They just go off, leave their, they try to leave their kid in the, like, I don't know, eight year old in the Lego <laughs> store while they go off to <laughs> JCPenney's or whatever. Yeah. Here, you hang out here. Play yeah, and, and then that, I become a babysitter. Yeah. Just as long as uh, there's no rule that they can't leave them. me there. <laughs> so it's the same thing with youth nice. sports. Like I coach kids in, in baseball and, there's the parents who are in there and they're cheering the kids on. And then there's other parents who will, oh, yeah, it's game night. I drop them off when the game starts. They come back when the game is over. And you're thinking, like, that, that kind of blows my mind. Like, don't you want to be there to support them for that? Support the but, kid, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, but I do like that, that we would definitely have to have that type of rule there set in big, bold letters and signs. And Not being so. Yeah, we're not babysitting. Yeah, and, and, and it might depend on what game you're playing. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I don't know if there would be a per game basis or a, or a particular rule set for a tournament setting versus just hanging out in the store or what. I don't know. Somebody well, a venue like this, I, I, would, I could envision like a location with maybe different sectors around, mm. you know, sort of like, you know, uh, keep the uh like the the rating board idea in mind just just spitballed here like that you know an area for like up to 12 like 12 to 17 and i don't know something something like that so in one corner you can have you know the smash arena 
and in another you can have the uh, uh, platformers appreciation section you know um, j just an idea now, it's something that I think we need to sort of try to you know make sure we stay ahead of you know sort of anticipate what's what's changing what what you know what are the next generations looking for so we will have that one section that's the a-rated games that are is behind that curtain that you can't go you know behind yeah <laughs> like the old like video, video yeah, yeah. <laughs> just the big oh, esrb ao above the door yes <laughs> And there's this like curtain there, or I remember this other place had like the old saloon doors on theirs. I don't know if anybody watches uh, Scott the Waz on YouTube. I love um, him. I've seen him. I haven't watched any. Yeah, I, I just watched an older video of his talking about the rating board for the ERCRB. I did not know that like the the ratings on the extreme ends, like uh, early children or whatever, and adults yeah, only were actual because you don't see them. I just didn't know that they existed. Yeah. So, That's crazy. It's very interesting. I mean, so, the cynical business side of the whole GameStop thing is if they were to do some of these things we want them to do, put in a lounge, have longer hours, you know, make it a, make food or beverages available, uh, it's, it's staff and money that they're probably not going to be that willing to shell out. And, yeah, and not a, a guarantee of additional revenue that would bring in. Speaking of money, I was, uh, I'm going to channel business Justin here. Hmm. Uh, the money is digital. If I, I can see them doing the Minecraft realm things and saying, hey, um, are you tired of the Nintendo servers? Buy ours and you can play your games here with us. Hmm. Got it. Yeah, interesting. And that was like that one, one of three ideas that they, they were like bringing to the table. It was they were going to have one that was more community centered, one that was like a, a GameStop store type that would essentially be a retro um, store. And then one that was essentially video game culture stuff, because they obviously have a big stake in Funko Pop and, and things like that. So that would be the, the third uh, type of store. So it was essentially have a collection of stores. And I think they were actually going to be um, launching at least like a beta program. I think it was like in St. Louis or something, something like that, where they were going to try out these three store types and do some A-B testing, I think. From the business end, I would point out that just doing what they were doing didn't seem to be bringing in nope. revenue right. anymore no, anyway. So yeah, yeah trying to divorce address and what the digital revolution. Yeah. Some of these ideas kind of point to is you need something that I can't get by just ordering stuff off of Amazon or by just going on the eShop. Yeah. Yeah. One That's of the point. ideas one of the ideas I had in regards to that is there's still gonna be people who want physical, right? But they also have been I noticed a lot of people really happy about that physical game they got with something in it more so than you know just your box with the game right yeah it was nice to be able to get the box with the game but then if you did if you threw in a trinket or two or some stickers or even go next step up charge a little more for a deluxe copy with steelbook and then up a special edition or up and up and up with you know statues and all that kind of stuff but there's a couple things I thought of where if GameStop, they, they toyed with the publishing side of things for a little bit. They did a couple of games with that. One that I actually liked with Insomniac, which was Songs of the Deep on the PS4. I really liked that one. And they had a lot of uh, tie-in with that at their store. 
Um, but if they dove into that a little bit more where they backed a lot of the special editions more and sold it specifically at their stores that could bring people in potentially or and or if they uh, worked with your limited run games or those other type of companies like that where yeah you can or you can order limited run games on their websites or even if GameStop if they had the money buy bought out one of those companies to make the limited run type games that you could only get at their store, I think that could help bring people in too for physical copies. Yeah, it's like Best Buy partnering with Limited Run for for being able to hold some of their their games directly in store. Yes, uh, for sure. But I think I do think it's interesting though that we were like sort of talking about the things that we would want to see in a game store, and it still kind of channels through GameStop for some reason, and whether or not that's <laughs> like you know, uh, the cultural impact that they certainly had over the last 20, 20 or so years. But, you know, we, it also means that we're, we also haven't had as many experiences with local game stores. I mean, if I'm only thinking about GameStop um, as sort of being, how are we going to fix GameStop as being like this sort of um, um, metaphor for all gaming stores? Yeah. Or we we can keep talking about GameStop. We can also totally, absolutely. And use GameStop as a lessons learned too. By the as way. an aside, though, does anybody remember when you used to go into a Best Buy and they had those like giant TVs hanging from the ceiling, and there'd be people like playing demos of games on them? I guess they were just a lot more impressive back in the days when you didn't see TVs that size. But I miss those things. <laughs> you could see them from like anywhere in the store. Yep. I think it was like with sales with DVDs or, or Blu-rays is that like you'll have two or three bigger competitors. So if your Walmart has a digital exclusive with the Blu-ray and, and, and add-ins and bonus features, and then another, like, so GameStop's really the only game out there. I don't really know any kind of national chain that has the sort of financial uh, bite that can really compete with the sort of thing that they have. So they exactly. really don't have anyone pushing them. Well, and they're it's failing, not, right? And that's that's a kind of a yeah. tough marketplace, and you don't see that many mom and pop um, video game stores anymore. I had one, you know, in college when I was living down in Tallahassee, Florida. When I was at Florida State, we had like a really cool, uh, like local. That they're actually still open, which I'm surprised, but it was awesome. Kind of carried that same same vein that we're talking about. You could play games in store. You can trade, buy, um, you know, a bunch of retro stuff. But um, they're I mean, they're few and far between now. I mean, they go really back to the past, the blockbuster. You go in there and you can play games, right? And then you can rent it for the weekend or four days. And and now that's not a thing anymore. I don't miss renting movies at all. You rent the whole system, uh, do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. GameStop... Sorry, I'm just thinking aloud. Is GameStop still owned by um, Barnes & Noble? Um... Or did they? Or did they sell them off? Games and stuff, I believe, is their own company. Okay. Because um, years back, uh, when uh, when my wife was a, uh, a Barnes and Noble partner, uh, she also worked at Starbucks you know, as a partner. But um, they were that she would actually use her Barnes and Noble, you know, employee membership to get discounts at yeah from stops, 1999 so. to 2004 barnes and nobles owned them yeah yeah 
Yeah, so it's interesting. To apparent, apparently, I guess uh, GameStop's backslide. Uh, I think maybe they uh, they could have benefited from being under Barnes and Noble's ownership. You know, these days, I mean, I think they could have put more quality into, uh, like you said, to the uh, publishing side of uh, of retail. You know, at putting in those. Uh, little bonuses with uh, game releases and stuff. Hmm. Like, uh, like when I... That's a whole other subject, too, when you talk about Barnes and & Nobles and what they had to do to turn yeah. around your book market. So. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Borders I tried to I do something. Yeah. I don't want to go down that road. That would take a whole night. That's another <laughs> podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Book dads. Book dads. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, when I uh, when I picked up my copy of uh, Killer Queen Black, you know, I was expecting just to get a uh, cool multiplayer game, but then they got these cool Switch skins on there, you yeah. know, just to, yeah. like stick over the Joy Cons and the and the grippy thingy, you know. It's just a little, a little thin, you know, but uh, you know, I liked it. It gave a little bit of extra flair to uh, to my system. So, uh, yes, I mean that's. I mean, I would be sold on a concept like that, having little extras thrown in with uh, with games. Yeah, I, I remember getting. To... Oh, sorry. I I remember. Um, I don't know how many people bought um, Mario Tennis Aces physically, but I did, uh, thinking it was going to be the greatest thing since I don't know the last Mario Tennis game, and. Uh, if you got it, if you pre-ordered it physically, you got uh, one single Mario Tennis uh, sweatband for your wrist. It's kind of cool. So like, if they had, that's neat. It's very cool. Uh, I don't know where it is because I've since moved. It's probably somewhere in a box. Um, but um, yeah, like if they if they added like more extras for getting the the physical copy of something versus you know going on the eShop, going on the PS the the PlayStation Network, and uh, and just getting the game, it would, I think it would drive physical sales. But I'm I'm also not tied to physical sales. I'm depends on what game I want. This is something that I like got for physically purchasing, and for those listening to the podcast, it's just a tote bag. But it's a uh, Luigi's Mansion Three from purchasing the game physically from Target. Got got this. Cool. Yeah, and like, yeah. Yes, that's like, exact like that. Excellent example is tar- what Target's been doing with their games and their pre-orders. Is like you go and pre-order, like most recent was Animal Crossing, right? You got the journal, and uh, GameStop does it a little bit where you get a poster or something. But especially with Nintendo, it seems a little bit harder to get those type of things with Nintendo stuff. Whereas if you go with Sony or Xbox, they have those immaculate, you know, special editions that you can buy. Yeah, but yeah. just. Some of the indie ones seem to do better. Even like I have Cave Story that had insert with, you know, they had a little keychain thing and some stickers. And then there was uh, Enter the Gungeon that came with stuff when you got the physical version of that. Um, just, and it, for some reason, a lot of people talk about that stuff. I get excited about it. It's like, hey, you know, they don't get to have that kind of stuff anymore. But if GameStop were to offer, maybe it was just maybe one little thing. Like all the games that we sell come with. A, a detailed manual or something or booklet or yeah. it comes with the uh, map insert depending on the game or both of those things you know just those little things that you can't get anywhere else would bring customers in I believe 
Yeah, I think the one of the Traveler's Pack, Traveler's editions uh, of Breath of the Wild came with a, Hy- a yep. Hyrule map. Yes, and, yeah, and uh, I, I got I got this one. I've got the game guide for that one. Yeah, I got a I got a game guide of some sort, and it came with a complete like 100% Hyrule map. Like it had all the little spots for Korok seeds. And it's really beautiful. It's it's beautiful. I want to frame it. Um, yeah, I see what you're doing there, Nathan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like the physical stuff like that. I know it's uh, like you're saying, Tim. It's hard. But it's harder and harder to get that kind of stuff from directly from Nintendo. But uh, I think stuff like that um, is a great way to get people to to buy your game. Oh, if you buy it physically, yeah. then you get this cool, I don't know, Poltergust statue great. or something. Yeah, yeah. Target's the one that's done that again. Like, uh, like even even these little pins for when Link, Link's Awakening came out. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, like Canada that, that doesn't was... have Target anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, how's Target doing anyway? <laughs> they, they seem to be doing all right here. Um, so, uh, but like for a lot of those I little special Target add-ons, you know, how long do we uh, have Target for, Chris? Like six months? Yeah, they really screwed it up, Canada for sure. That's too bad. Wow. They 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 really do throw in like some nice little little tchotchkes, you know, <laughs> when, yeah. when you buy your Nintendo okay. games. Agreed. I'd rather. Um, I'd, yeah. That's my preferred uh, physical retailer. Yeah. That's where I, I got to with Black actually. That, yeah. Was that uh, was that a Target? So. Yeah. Awesome Target. I got to say with the uh, multiple Switch family, I've kind of come to appreciate physical games much more than I ever had. Just because I, yes, I just yes. yeah having to play on on multiple consoles is just so much easier. Right. Yes, it is. Great point. Very, very. I think a lot of people are going to be doing that more. So GameStop better hopefully be staying around. And I think another reason why I bring up GameStop is probably because of how I felt when Toys R Us closed, you know, for us here in the States. Um, although for me, I can just go over to Windsor. There's a Toys R Us still <laughs> open there. But I was going to say, we still, that's what we still have. You guys yeah, still have still that. Got it. Yeah, we still got it. But you know, for the for Canadian the rest Canadian of the United States, they don't have the Toys R Us. Except, well, I take that back. I know they reopened a couple of them. Uh, yeah, it's the same. Yeah, it's not the same. You're right. So, oh, but did, I, did they actually get around to reopening toys, some Toys R Uses? Uh, there's a like one, one in New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah, one in New Jersey, and I think another in Texas. And then they're supposed to be opening up more this year. Uh, it'll oh, be interesting to see. Okay. Uh, apparently, people have. They're getting business again, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it's very interesting. But again, it's like, I understand GameStop needs to do something. Mm-hmm. But the one other thing too is the employee thing. Definitely need to treat, if we are gonna take over GameStop or have our own place, employees. I, I work in customer service, customer experience uh, is one of my major areas. And one of the things that we've learned all this time or one of the things I've learned all this time is that the employee experience ties in with the customer experience. Mm -hmm. If you treat your employees well, they will in turn treat the customers well and then vice versa. Everybody's happy. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel you on that. Having worked a bunch (laughs) of retail and customer service jobs, uh, I definitely feel that. I I remember, um, I think once our AMC, when, once we got rid of AMCs and they all became Cineplexes, we had n- little name tags, and on the back of it, 
it says it said the guest is why i'm here it's sort of like a mantra but all of us employees used to use in our heads guest as slang for paycheck <laughs> so uh so the paycheck was why we were there it wasn't right. really guest at all no all these eight, 16 year olds didn't give a shit about sorry but didn't give us uh a hook right. about uh about the guests yeah. So, yeah definitely uh <laughs> Yeah, so definitely um, cut the employee experience ties very much into customer experience. You're right. Right. Uh, just in terms of treating employees, the whole GameStop and ML Cross and release really came off totally uh, tone deaf in the situation we were in, like not giving them chances to wipe down or, or have protective equipment or something like that with tons of people showing up at the stores for this big game I'm really excited about. And they're worried about not getting sick, and it's, it's their employee just their employer just didn't seem to be there at all for them. Cool. Right. And it's and it's something I feel like it's been going on for a long time. Anytime I've gone into one of their stores in the last you know two years, it's you know the, everybody just looks miserable. Um, not there was one time I went into one where where they were actually into what they were doing, which was a really nice change. But otherwise, you know. I've always just, you know, I, that has driven me personally to get my physical copies from Amazon. Um, but I missed that experience. I do, you know, it's, if it's show my age, but you know, if you've ever had the opportunity to go into a record store, um, if you collect vinyl and you know, you, it's an experience, you go, you look at yeah. it, you appreciate it, you people who are into it, who sell it, tell you about you know check out this album or this album's like this too and it's a and you know it's that whole experience that you take with you when you take home and when you open up that new game it's all of that kind of goes into the soup to, to make that experience to when you hit that power button and turn it on and play it so i gotta uh, assume tim that after this podcast comes out if, if gamestop was on the fence of uh sponsoring nintendo dads we're probably not going to do it anymore <laughs> They better because we're giving them good ideas. <laughs> yeah, so employee, employee put you on the board. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I was saying employee experience definitely, you know, filters down to customer experience, 100. Uh, percent Again, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention my wife being a Starbucks partner. Uh, always had a reputation for, you know, taking care of their customers. I mean, their, uh, their employees, that's why they're called partners, because they make feel like they're a part of the company, like almost like they're a part of the family, you know? And, um, you know, they try to foster that, that, you know, close working environment because they, they tell their, their employees that, if if somebody gets their latte and they have a good experience, they'll probably tell one other person. But if they mess up somebody's latte, they're gonna go and tell like ten people. Yes. So there's all kinds that, of statistics around that. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a lot more negative yeah, reviews yeah, on Yelp than positive ones. Yeah, and you know I. And I think that a company that really cares about their employees is really going to help them motivate, you know, uh, you know, this is why I come into work every day, 
you know, I, I come in, I help, you know, I help these people out, even if it's just to get them their overpriced coffee. I mean, whatever, you know, it, it helps them feel like they're a part of something. Now, um, years back, before they went under, um, <clears throat> I was a uh, Radio Shack peon for uh, for a while in like last uh, <laughs> the last couple of years of uh, of their existence, and uh, uh, we did not have a good working relationship with our DM, um, yeah. which I think it was it was pretty much the case with a lot of the other stores in our area because you know places like best buy and the um the carrier stores they were taking our business like like they were trying to get us to sell cell phones because hello this diy store sells phones but you know they were just you know pushing the whole sell 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 thing not really thinking about you know what's gonna motivate the employee yep. to sell well so. i have to say that and with gamestop um one of the reasons why i still go back to the, the store i go to is because of the employees and um the way they talk to me and the way i talk to them we have good conversation about they, they always recognize me and i recognize some of the employees there and just we have a good conversation and stuff like that so it makes me feel good coming in there and be known you know they recognize me and say hey oh hey yeah you you're Tim who's, you know, got that um, into, the, into the switch. I mean, that's not what they're saying, but, you know, they, they know how to keep talking to me. So it's really cool. Yeah. It, it makes you feel like you're the regular. You know? Where everybody knows your name, right? <laughs> I, was, I was about to try to do a Cheers reference, but you can do it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we're hitting over a little bit over the hour or depending on when we started, I didn't catch the time, but uh, about the hour mark. Uh, so I'm going to stop us there for a little bit there, but we can certainly continue the conversation if you guys think of anything else in our dinner table channel and Discord. And if anybody else listening to this afterwards wants to pop in and add anything, more than welcome to it. I'm sure all of us would like to hear what you got, and we'll certainly chime in, keep the conversation going. Um, normally, I for the side dish, what I have you guys do is kind of talk about games you you guys have been playing. But I think we're running a little bit out of time here for that. Uh, but I will pop them. I will mention when I've got written down here for you guys real quick. And if you guys want to give a really quick 30 second, 90 second uh, thing about it, that'd be cool. Uh, I'll start with uh, Nathan. Got Pixel Puzzle, and then mobile Picross like game. Uh, that's a mobile game. That's a Picross like game. So, yeah, yeah have you been uh, playing that still? I'm still playing it. Yeah, it's basically you playing Picross. it right now. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was no, like, oh, I'm kidding. Uh, it's good. It's 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 free Picross. It's randomized, so you can't really pick which ones that you want. But it's made by Konami. It's got some uh, Bomberman, Castlevania, Contra. Gradius, Life Force, Sprites, and stuff like that. Most of the ads you get are just telling you to buy Symphony of the Night on mobile, which I won't do. <laughs> I'm still playing Dragalia Lost, too. All right. Cool. I'm going to have to tell my wife about that. She's in the puzzle, puzzle game type thing. So, all right, cool. Michael, in, you're in the ring fit during these dark quarantine times. <laughs> How's that going? You have one? <laughs> <laughs> Michael, you're on mute. <laughs> my bad uh, yeah I got mine uh, piecemeal 
so I got the I bought the game no box uh, for forty bucks off I could do it off Facebook and then we bought the ring and the the leg strap for seventy ish uh, uh, on Amazon like a thir- a third party one so around about retail a little bit more than retail um, but yeah I'm tr- I, the new the baby boy uh, keeps me busy enough that I'm not necessarily doing it every day but uh, I'm, I'm trying to keep it keep it going I'm um, also I was playing Dragalia Lost but I pulled I fell off of that I'm playing a lot of Pokemon Masters though right now oh okay um, mostly in between uh, the baby being awake <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting just kind of waiting for them to wake up again right up to midnight kind of thing and uh, yeah so playing a little bit of that and Ring Fit, and we just got Lego Harry Potter because it was on Good sale. Good deal, yeah, 20 bucks yeah. for that, right? Yeah. Yeah, 23-ish Canadian for both games. Not That's bad. right, you got to add $300 for the Canadian people. <laughs> <Yeah>. Gotcha. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, yeah, uh, do my right. best to play a few, play some games in between, you know, things to do with the baby. Yeah, you find new ways of doing that, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Chris, you really into Shovel Knight on your 3DS. How's that going? Yeah, no, I, I'm. This is one of those game, indie games that I sort of like. I discovered the show Breaking Bad late, and I've been hearing Marty and these guys talk about Shovel Knight for as long as they listen to this podcast. And I thought, well, this is something that you really need to go back and give it a try. And uh, I really just got hooked into it once I uh, once I gave once I started and. Uh, if I can get any time outside of Animal Crossing with the kids right now, or homeschooling or anything like that, that's a really hard. And I'm finding like it's—I uh, really like the, the reward system, and it's—it's uh, it's just it's just a simple platformer that really brings back to a lot of the games I grew up with. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of people are enjoying that game. Um, and it's interesting you got that for the 3ds since did you buy it before the switch came out or you just decided you wanted the 3d aspect of it instead of getting it on the switch uh i think i think it was just <laughs> i could get a lot more time 3ds but okay. you know that yeah so this is something i haven't really I've gone a lot into i've sort of kept the 3ds as my my baby so uh, okay i'm slowly introducing my daughter into it because there's some easier games for her to learn like 2D Mario that she can do, but other than that, I've been kind of holding tight to it for me. But this, this is dad time. That makes sense. All right, cool. Dan, you've been playing Goldeneye and N64. He's not here. I wrote it down and forgot to take it off. Sorry, Dan's not here, but he's probably playing that right now on in Twitch. <laughs> so RJ, though, you wrote down watching wife play a lot of AC. Yes. So. Still doing it, actually. And now we're watching, uh, you know, because this is her first time ever playing Animal Crossing, period. Mind you, um, vicariously through her. <laughs> but we're doing that, and then we're also watching some YouTube videos on how to um, do some stuff, too. Learning, you know, and being the noob on this, you know, we learned that uh, in order to get into the stock market, we need to have a shop. So we got that done. And so this Sunday, we'll hopefully find Daisy May and uh, make some stuff happen. Nice. 
That's that, and a lot of people are playing that, or I should say, just a few people playing that, right? So, <laughs> all right, Vincent, you're playing Mario plus Rabbids, Dauntless, and NES Punch Out. Yeah, kind of skimming uh, around on those. Um, I will highlight Mario and Rabbids right now, but because it is just an awesome and fun game to play and Ubisoft is having just a great sale on it. I think it's I think it's still going on. It ends on the 21st, but Mario Rabbids is something like 70% off. That is a stupid good deal. Right. Um, I do not recommend that enough, especially if you're into tactics and nonsensical whatever the Rabbids is you know um it's been it's been really fun to play um i just downloaded the uh donkey kong expansion for it and i've uh, i already 100 percented the story so i'm going through the uh, donkey kong right now and yeah super fun that is awesome i've been so tempted to pick that up but i think mostly i haven't picked it up because my kid owns it and he hasn't been playing it he bought the physical version too so i'll probably just steal his <laughs> so all right antonio you didn't send me anything so you're gonna have to tell us what you're into right now yeah i, I forgot to send it to you sorry um <laughs> all right yeah i've been playing playing a few things obviously tons of animal crossing it's uh this is also my i've talked about this on the, on the last episode but uh this is also my first animal crossing experience and i am just i absolutely love this game i'm i I couldn't have any more glowing reviews than than the experience that I've had thus far. It's been a, a lot of fun getting the kids involved, getting my wife involved. Um, couldn't be more happy with that game. Uh, I've also been playing uh, Children of Zodriacs, which you'll see a review coming out uh, shortly. And that was what I discussed at the beginning of the, of the podcast. Very similar to, obviously not without the Nintendo characters, but very similar to Mario versus Rabbids, you know, XCOM tactics strategy game. Story took a little bit of time for, for me to get hooked on, but I'm actually really enjoying it now. And it's it's starting to kind of fall into place and it kind of brings in a few other elements that I find really interesting. There's like a card-based battle. Instead of just having like a skill or a weapon that you could use each turn, um, you actually have a deck of cards that you're drawing from, uh, from. And there's also some dice that you have to roll as well. So it kind of brings in a few different elements and uh, chances of probability and actually being able to um, uh, attack your enemies in, in, the, in the battlefield, which is, is, is pretty cool. And you're moving in and out of kind of an old school kind of medieval uh, environments, 3D. It's, it's, it's really fun. So I, I, would, I would definitely recommend it. On, check out the review on Nintendo Dad's uh, YouTube come shortly. Nice. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Sam, you didn't send me anything either. What are you playing? Uh, yeah, so rumors of the death of arms have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> I can still find matches, which is great. So I've been I rediscovering that. every day for four hours. Uh, Animal Crossing is kind of winding down for me on, on kind of a low dip right now with all the events over. I kind of like where my town's at, so I'm kind of filling in some with some other stuff. But I also got sucked into uh, One Step from Eden. I don't know if anybody else heard about that game. I mentioned it on the Dads After Dark show. Um, it came out the same day as the Direct Mini and was not in the Direct Mini, which is weird. But um, yeah, it's insanely hard, but 
I once I kind of got over the difficulty curve, the game just sort of broke open, and yeah, apparently I put 60 hours into it. I don't Dang. know how that happened. <laughs> quarantine. Right, quarantine, right? <laughs> <laughs> it happens. All right, that's cool, though. Um, you, if you uh, want to get more information out on any of these games you guys are playing too if you got the means to be able to record something or even what i've done a lot of times is just hit that in certain key moments throughout the game i'll hit that you know screen capture for 30 seconds and do a bunch of those and then just take it off the sd card and talk over that sometimes so uh there's ways of doing it if you guys want to share what you are playing and want to get more people to support the game you're playing share it with the community that way but Definitely. Thanks, guys, for sharing those things that you played real quick. And uh, with that, do you guys have room for a little dessert? Just a little little peek into dessert here? Sure. Sure. <laughs> All right, well, before before you go, I'll give you guys a little dessert for the road anyway. So the next, next episode, we will have a major dessert, a big dessert. So make sure you have enough room next time we have the show. Uh, but what... You might have heard us talk about uh, the last couple times on the Nintendo Dad show is that we're relaunching Retro Rewind and bringing it to the dessert, to the dinner table. So what uh, what we kind of left behind back in 2018, we're bringing back. Uh, kind of just, it used to be its own show, I believe, if I remember correctly. And But we're going to add it to the dinner table. And... What we're going to do is starting from today, going into um, for the next 30 days or until the next show. And usually it's, I think, the third Thursday of every month now is where I'm trying to go for. But um, we're going to play Super Castlevania. That's the game we're going to play together uh, awesome. for anybody listening or anybody in the community who wants to play. Um, you can join the dinner table to talk about it. If you don't want to do that you can certainly chat about the game with where you're at and stuff in the retro rewind channel in our discord um you can also share um send us audio comments to voicemail because we can utilize that uh gary's actually got some great ideas about that potentially using those or i can even play them on on dinner table for us and so if you want to leave an audio comment you can leave it at the nintendo dad's voicemail which is what you hear a lot on the podcast, right, is 92925-and-dads or the 929-256-3237 is the numbers. So you can leave a voicemail there or you can send us video comments to our Twitter account. So just use Twitter. Bring it, you know, bring it up on your phone. Do a little quick video snapshot of you playing it and send, uh, tag the Nintendo dads on there. You know, or anything else I didn't mention, you know, just be a part of what you're playing, share what you're playing, bring it up in Discord, bring it up in uh, Twitter. Let's all play it together for the next 30 days and talk about that classic game that maybe you've played before, or maybe you haven't played before. Like I mentioned before, I didn't play it. I, I was a kid who was buying my own games and couldn't afford to get that one on top of the other ones I wanted. So a lot of, I'm sure you guys heard that story a lot, you know, where you, you killed a game for six months because that was the only game you could play. <laughs> and Tim, uh, for people that want to want to play along, uh, where, where can they get uh, Super Castlevania? So, good question. So, there's a couple ways you can do it. It is on the Super Nintendo Classic. You can play it there. 
Uh, it is on the uh, Castlevania collection, which is still $20 here in the U.S., but I think it's on sale possibly in Canada, but I know for sure in U.K. Uh, it was on sale last time I looked. Um, so you can catch it definitely on sale. And, of course, if you got the original systems and have the original game, <laughs> more than like you can play it there too. So... Um, but play it however you want to, or if you can't play it and you just want to listen along, just you know follow along. We'll again we'll be talking about it in the Discord channel under the Retro Rewind channel, not necessarily dinner dinner table channel because we wanted to separate that out still. Um, and then as we go along with this, we may add some other features, and who knows, maybe if it gets too big for the dinner table, we have to make it its own show. We'll do that again. But for now, we're bringing it back bringing it back for dessert so you guys can join me next show and uh, we'll talk about it or again if you can't make it by share your your comments and your gameplay however you want with us for the next show with that guys that's the dinner table i hope you guys are nice and full i hope you guys also have a drink because i like to end with a cheers if you don't have a fake one <laughs> If you got a drink, this is, I like to sign off with a cheers. So may your gaming time be plentiful and fun, your backlog short, and you and your families are blessed. Good night, peeps. Thank you, fans. Can't make me. <laughs> thank, thank you guys for being on the show. You guys are awesome.